in the corner. Yep. All right, and we're live. Welcome everyone to the fiftieth episode of the Know Your Place podcast. Sorry about that dead air there for a second, everybody. I had uh, had the YouTube video turned on in the background, tripped me out for a second. Anyway, hello. Say hello to the fans, Will. Hello. Everybody, I brought back my original guest for the 50th episode. Uh, have you been listening to any of the episodes bet- since the first episode, Will? Uh, I've managed to catch one or two here and there. <laughs> so I-, I was going to ask what your favorite is, so I... Uh, I don't. I guess you're you're biased towards your own. Well, of course, first <laughs> is the best, really. Yes. Um, yeah, I've had some interesting. Uh, always the ones that I think are going to be the most popular, or the least popular, and then the ones that are the least. I think will be the least popular, or the most popular. So, uh, the one person who's watching, you know, just uh, let us know in the comments section what your favorite uh, episode is, or if anybody else turns this on midstream. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so the reason why I brought in Will here today is because Will is a college professor, right, Will? That's right. And also because uh, Will went to college too, like me. Um, he went a lot longer than I did, though. Just a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought it would be cool to bring him on for this topic of, I was sort of thinking the other day, you know, because America is such a large country, uh, you know, we we're such a large country. Hold on, technical difficulties in the background. There we go. Okay, can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. Anyway, since we're such a large country, there's. Uh, a lot of people, when they think of certain countries, you know, they even think of one college as being the premier college, or they think of, uh, you know, just a couple colleges, you know. And in America, we're so large that the experience of university is, it can't really be summed up by necessarily some some views, or I, I don't know how to describe it. It can't be summed up by one experience. You, do you get what I'm hinting at, Will? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Colleges (laughs) have way different experiences depending upon which one you go to. Right. And I wanted to sort of touch on this in particular as I sit in the description here, because when people think of American University, you know, I think people do think of the the Princetons, the Yales, the MITs, and the Berkeleys of the world, and the Stanfords of the world. Mm -hmm. Would I be mischaracterizing that, Will? I think you're probably right. And, uh, you know, there's a vast amount of other universities in America that a lot of people go to and a lot of things to experience. So we're going to talk about that today. <laughs> so uh, first off, let's, uh, let's get you know, the pleasantries. Will, you've attended two colleges, right? Or th- That's right. Right. Uh, so, so go ahead and tell everybody the two colleges you attended and where they are, I guess. So for undergraduate, I attended the University of Tennessee, which is located in Knoxville, Tennessee, which is in East Tennessee, uh, towards the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, And then for graduate school, I attended Indiana University, which is located in Bloomington, Indiana, 
uh, which is kind of in the southwestish, south central area of Indiana. Mm -hmm. And me and Will met in Bloomington because that's where I got my first job out of college, and I attended the University of Kentucky, which is in Lexington, Kentucky, which is in the central part of Kentucky. And, uh, you know, I think our university experiences are much were were vastly different than the than a Berkeley. Uh, Princeton, Harvard, Yale type experience. So, uh, yeah. So I guess, uh, Will, when you were uh, okay, well, let's roll back. What made you decide to go to the University of Tennessee? Because you um, you grew up near Nashville, so in theory, you could have gone to Middle Tennessee or Vanderbilt or somewhere too, correct? Right, right. And I actually applied and was accepted to both of those schools. Um, a lot of the choice that went into me going to the University of Tennessee had some with something to do with me wanting to get out of Middle Tennessee. Um, also, <laughs> partially it was money. Um, I got a lot of scholarship offers that kind of combined to help me pay for um, all of my education at University of Tennessee, which at a bunch of other schools that I applied for, I didn't quite get the same packages, I guess, to, to add everything up. So. Those were kind of my guess, my two biggest factors that at the time made me choose UT over any other school that I had applied for. Now, uh, when you say you wanted to leave Middle Tennessee, this is something I think is very interesting because uh, I've noticed with a lot of people uh, in Middle America, I think generally want to go to college, not not where they live. I think uh, uh, now. <clears throat> I may be mischaracterizing this because I haven't met everybody that goes to these coastal colleges, but a lot of them aren't aren't that far away in quite the same fashion. Like uh, I had a friend in college actually who was from California, and his sister, you know, made it a point to go to Berkeley, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not saying that doesn't happen in Mer in cent in Middle America too, but I think a lot of us do want to leave. I think it's more of a we're getting bored, you know. Uh, well, would you like to expand upon that a little, Will? I mean, I think pretty much every university kind of recruits heavily out of its own backyard. And there's a lot of, um, you know, people who settle in an area who, who grow attached to whatever local school or university might be around. And so there is, I think, a large portion of people who decide, hey, I grew up around this university. I've known it all my life. That's where I'm going to go. Uh, but then there's other people who, for whatever reason, they, yeah, decide they want to get out like me. I kind of wanted a, a little bit of distance from where I'd grown up and, you know, get a new experience um, just to have something different than going to the same school that all my high school friends were going to. So I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, grandpa. Don't mean cut you off there. <laughs> I was just going to sum that back up. <laughs> so go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think um, I want to talk about that also uh, when we talk about the context of middle American universities, because when we're talking about that, I, I do think a lot of people look for an experience, whereas, and I, I don't think people do that too when they attend somewhere like Harvard or Yale or MIT, but, um, you know, I, I think about sort of like the show Gilmore Girls or something, you know, it almost seems like it's a matter of fact for some of the coastal people that they're going to go to these places, right? Or mm -hmm. like it's in their backyard, like in that particular one, you know, they're, 
their family's alum of Yale, you know, or stuff like that, right? And I, people like you, Will, or people, all the, a lot of time I meet people in Bloomington, they're like, yeah, I wanted to come here for the experience, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very interesting to me, this experience. And I think we're going to expand upon this experience because it's a big part of the point. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, when I chose, um, I also was accepted to multiple schools. Do you remember which ones, Will? Um, you've told me. I remember it was, you always talk about University of Evansville, I believe. Yes. Um, Although I didn't actually, I didn't actually apply there. After, that's right. You, after the tour. you visited. I visited. Uh, I don't remember which other ones you told me about. Ball State, Louisville, mm -hmm. and Cincinnati. That's right. And Kentucky. And uh, you could say part of the reason why I chose Kentucky wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to be next to my parents going to UC, mm -hmm. but it was uh, part of the experience, too. I like Lexington. I like hanging out there. I like being there, you know, and uh, yeah, so I wanted the experience of Lexington. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened that it, at the time I was applying in engineering and it was a pretty good engineering school. So, um, but yeah, so when we talk about... Uh, I think what I why I say this about the experience with these schools that are in middle America, and I'm not trying to say that Berkeley and Stanford don't have an experience too, but I don't think it's it's quite the same. Okay, and I, well, Stanford actually Stanford and Cal actually do do the sports thing, you know, but when you're in somewhere like Kentucky or Tennessee, I mean, it's just. You know, you were there at Tennessee, and you know about Peyton Manning. Um, <laughs> there's just some kind of an aura. You know, in Kentucky, it's the same with basketball. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there it's part of the – you just – you feel so much a part of an atmosphere. I don't know if you'd like to sort of expand upon any types of things that felt like the atmosphere when you were in Knoxville. Well, I mean, like you said, the, the biggest thing that, you know, rules in the SEC schools is football. So that was, of course, a big draw and appeal for the experience, as you said, is going to UT football games, um, going to tailgating, things like that, um, as well as basketball was also a big, big draw there. So, yeah, I mean, that was that's definitely one of the kind of cultural aspects of the school. That's an appeal. Um, and I think probably to some extent, every school has a little bit of whatever sports um, is kind of popular in the area, whether or right. not they're a good team or not. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say that is part of it, but there, I don't know. It just, uh, when I was at Kentucky and I can just tell from watching stuff about Tennessee, there's just something about, SEC country and you know Big Ten country has a bit of a similar vibe, mm -hmm. you know, that they just it's there's such a culture around the sports team. Like for instance, yeah. well, you majored in you you're you're into mathematics, right? Right, but you still care a lot about that. Well, I shouldn't say care a lot, but you you know that was part of the experience for you, no doubt. Right, it was. Um, yeah. it was maybe not as much of an experience for me as some of my classmates, but it was definitely part of the experience of going to UT. You know, you got the fight song memorized. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically Rocky top is not the uh, fight song, but yes. Oh, well, there you go. Dropping it right here. 
Right. Not technically the fight song, everybody. You heard it here from the Tennessean. So I guess uh, we'll then transition and talk a little bit about Bloomington, and then I'm going to sort of, after that, change gears and talk a little bit about actual academics. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, So when you were at uh, – so what made you choose Bloomington for graduate school, Well, Um – a lot of it was kind of similar reasoning for UT. Um, when I decided I wanted to go to graduate school, I applied to several different schools. I was accepted to less, but still a few. Um, and out of those choices, it was the school that gave me a good offer, as well as um, one of the higher ranked programs that at the time for mathematics, which was what I was pursuing. So it kind of wound up being the natural choice out of everything for me to go there, which now, uh, well, I was gonna say, it was really like a, a whim to apply there. So, Oh, but, really? Well, yeah. I kind of glanced through a list of, of graduate schools for mathematics, picked out a couple that I thought looked interesting um, that had good programs and it was one of them. I mean, didn't you think it was weird though to go to, because I'll, I'll be honest with you, Will. Before I accept to the job, I often tell people this. I didn't. I hadn't heard of Bloomington. Oh no, I <laughs> never heard of it before either. I, uh, I, I mean, I vaguely knew IU existed. I have to be honest with you. I was more familiar with Purdue than IU, though. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, um, it was. It was definitely more or less a um, learning experience, I guess, to to apply there and. Like, uh, for instance, you didn't desire to go to, well, I guess obviously it's hard to get into somewhere like Columbia or NYU or something, but you didn't desire to go to like Virginia or, you know, maybe some, one of those bigger coastal schools that people. Right. Um, and I, well, I did apply for a couple of the, the larger coastal schools and choices just didn't work out for those, whether I, you know, wasn't accepted to some or some accepted me, but wasn't a good as good of a package or idea for me to go there, big picture-wise. So really, the Middle American University can be summed up as a as a uh, was a, a value purchase. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it depends on the the university. I mean, both of the schools I attended were state schools, so they were public schools, um, which traditionally makes them. More affordable, more affordable than pub private schools or more elite private schools or coastal schools, as you might say. So yeah, you could you could argue that that they have a more value for their purchase price, sure. But my when I went to the University of Kentucky, it was rated as one of the highest value universities. Right, and I think uh, traditionally, at least in the last maybe decade or so, I think a lot of public schools or uh, state schools have been getting that idea that yeah this you go you go to those because they're more affordable and maybe not they maybe not have as much prestige but you're getting more bang for your buck i guess so so when we bring up bloomington bloomington is different than knoxville and lexington mm -hmm. in the aspect that it is much smaller Way than knoxville, knoxville and lexington and arguably does iu have a higher enrollment than uk and tennessee uh, I think so. It's one of the larger schools. Um, I want to say somewhere around 40,000 students, maybe. Yeah, that's what I thought. 
which I find very um, interesting. So uh, it was for me, it was interesting being in a town that was all about the college. Right. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, Berkeley and Cal is kind of that way. Right. And some of the bigger schools, but you know, like Boston, MIT is not the only college in Boston. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yale and Princeton and Harvard all aren't the only colleges near where they are. Right. You know, so it was really kind of an interesting environment to be somewhere so dominated by a college. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a big change. Um, like you said, Knoxville, okay, the school was in the middle of the city, but without the school, the city still had a lot going on for it. As opposed to Bloomington, without the school, Bloomington probably wouldn't be much of a, a city. I'm not sure. It would probably have like 10,000 people or something. Yeah. So, um, so that also fed into the culture, though, in Bloomington, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, what am I trying to hit on here? It'd be hard to rock the opponent's colors there. You know, oh, it'd, it'd be hard to, um, it'd be hard to, it'd be, you know, I feel like it was almost weird for me, you know, because I worked in a profession that uh, didn't, wasn't affiliated with the university at all. Mm -hmm. And it did feel kind of weird. And I just did worked for, you know, did mapping for an engineering firm. But still, it felt like totally weird being, you know, in a job that was not affiliated with the university. Because you feel like whenever you talk to somebody in conversations there, there, there has to be something that deals with the university at some point. You know? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just so heavily dominated. Yeah, well, they have a big impact on the city there because, like we said, it's pretty much the core of that city. And uh, that's that's uh, I guess there is something, and I I'm sure there is a tightness to some of these other schools and communities. But you know, I would say that tightness in Bloomington is something you don't really see. It's it's a tightness much stronger than you'd see in a lot of other places. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that just feeds into that environment there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, so now why I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the academics is I think when we uh, we all assume that when someone has a bachelor's degree in something, of course now it's becoming more you have to have a graduate degree in something, but we assume that they all have a certain standard of education, Right. Right. But at the same time, there's this whole argument of what you talked about earlier about prestige, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm fortunate because I work in middle America, so having a degree from the University of Kentucky is prestigious enough. But, right. like, what if I, you know, if I went to New York, I don't feel like my degree would be very prestigious. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe not. It would probably just depend <laughs> upon who you interviewed with or who you talked to. But, yeah. Luckily, though, I'm in a I'm in a profession that they, there's not many degrees in it to get. So right. But uh, I uh, I think it's interesting. I was a little so I bring this up because all right. So I was in um uh, an urban geography class when I was in school, and <laughs> the thing I always found kind of disturbing. And granted, we weren't best known for urban planning actually louisville has the urban planning masters in kentucky but 
I thought it was weird how in my geography classes, even though we were like in the top 20 of geography schools, we were still always reading stuff written down to us from UCLA or uh, I think it was Columbia, you know. And I felt, you know, I, I understand those are more prestigious schools, but it was kind of like, you know, hey, maybe we don't need all this stuff farmed out necessarily. Or, you know, maybe some of the local opinions would matter more, especially in something like urban planning, because it's going to look a lot different in Kentucky than it looks in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was wondering if you ever, how that vibe ever played out in sort of your academic environment in mathematics. Um, well, both of the schools that I attended had really strong math programs. So to some extent, we, I mean, we had strong faculty there that would be publishing papers and that we would reference papers that they looked at. Um, but I guess at the same time, maybe math is a little bit different than, you know, your geography that we do look to other people and we want to see what work they're doing just so that we can build off of their work as well. So I don't know that there was necessarily um, that same idea of wanting to like in-house a lot of stuff, but at the same time, you still want to attract talent um, and do things that you can do. So. Um, well, yeah, I mean, obviously we're always yeah. looking at other studies, you know, and that's, I, I do don't mind building upon other studies and work, but it, it, I guess you know, in math, it's more critical to keep building on other studies from outside. Right. It, it just, it just seemed like it. You know, I don't know how to describe. It seemed like you know, here we are. We're calling ourselves a top twenty geography program, and yet here we are reading all these papers from UCLA and Columbia. Mm -hmm. Right. You know. Yeah, yeah and, and I think. Well, I mean, outside of any kind of those big prestige name schools that you're going to have that same phenomena happen that right. you're going to be looking at those people and saying, wow, you know, we're reading a lot of material from Harvard or UCLA or whatever. Um, and it's just going to be that way because historically those have been popular schools that have attracted bright talent um, and that have also got money to, to throw at projects and stuff. Now I should say, technically speaking, IU isn't that supposed to be nearer the top tier than Kentucky or Tennessee? I I would say so. Um, I know, like I said, when I applied for graduate school, it was higher ranked in math, at least, than those programs. And I think IU has some nationally recognized programs, such as the business school um, and a lot of the music programs there. Yeah, and uh, so... When we talk about this, you know, is it, is it, you know, obviously with the cases of the Harvards and Yales, they've just been around longer, mm -hmm. right? But is it, uh, do we not focus on the academics enough at these middle American schools? Is there too much of the party atmosphere or too much of the sports atmosphere? Do you think there, uh, do you think the gap is too far or do you think perhaps it's just, it just, it doesn't even really matter anymore. I think that goes back to a lot of your point of different schools have different experiences. Um, some schools uh, in the middle America schools are gonna be doing great at academic um, versus cultural or sports or whatever. 
that their integration of those aspects do well. And then you have other schools that maybe lean too much one way or too much the other. But at the same time, I don't necessarily know that that's a bad thing just because that can give students who want those different experiences those different experiences. I mean, I think that's kind of the, one of the appeals of having so many different choices in school is that you can find one that potentially matches your desires um, that you want out of a school. So I don't necessarily know that there's, like I said, I don't necessarily know that there's a problem. Um, it's gonna kind of depend more upon which school, once you kind of focus in on whether or not they have a problem, I guess, or if you want to call it a problem. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess the next thing I want to talk about is there, uh, how many other schools have you visited, Will? Did you, have you ever been anywhere else to go to conferences or anything? Yeah, I've been um, either at conferences or school visits to several other different, several other schools. Was there something that, anything that leaped out at other schools for you that you were like, oh, this is what makes this area different or? Um, I guess out of all my different visits, uh, the biggest thing that always jumps out to me is first off, how much things can look differently between different schools, but then how much they're also the same. That they all have a Qdoba and a Chipotle. Exactly. <laughs> no, um, I mean, schools have kind of a similar atmosphere, especially the schools that I visited. Um, that have been like large academic structure or large academic uh, universities where every department has its own building, um, every uh, you know, full of several professors in their own research areas that you can kind of go in and join a bunch of group of um, professors in their field or students in that field that you're studying. And, you know, it's not like you've left your home school. But at the same time, you know, all of these different uh, universities that I visited have had different cities, different locales, um, different interactions with those locales, um, different city culture around the area, um, how they're integrated into the city. That That's always been, I guess, a big shock to me is just to see how a different school um, is part of its locale. Now, I guess um, in the instance of IU, I would say uh, it, it kind of feels like it's um, it's pretty obvious where the campus ends and the city begins mm -hmm. to a degree. Now, is what's your opinion on that? Do you, do you want a school that's more in or more out? Did it feel better to be part of one that was more sectioned off? Have you been somewhere where it doesn't feel like it? I'll start with that. Um, I feel like most of the schools that I've been on, there's a pretty clear demarcation between campus and off campus. Although some of that can be like an IU where there was a very distinct feel of when you walked off campus, um, as opposed to Tennessee, where it would be like you cross the street and, you know, you've got a row of bars that's right across campus. So some of them have a bit of difference in how quickly I guess it changes, but I feel like every school kind of has a distinct boundary line. Are you ready for the wild one? 
Oh, boy. <laughs> when I was looking at schools, uh, I looked at Milwaukee School of Engineering back in the day. And they were literally different floors and different office buildings in downtown Milwaukee. Wow. That's like, pretty pretty not demarcated. I was like, where where am I? Where I was totally confused the whole time where I was going. <laughs> but yeah, uh, largely it is a separate thing, but it's just interesting when it's intermingled like that. Mm -hmm. And I, in some ways I think MIT is becoming that way too, because of just where it's naturally had to expand to. Right, and I think you do see that in um, a lot of the schools that are in more developed areas, so like MIT or like UT, which is in the middle of downtown Knoxville, that they don't have room to expand, um, as opposed to IU, which, like we said, is pretty much uh, a giant chunk of the city and has constantly kind of grown out from where it was into the remaining part of the city and keeps expanding a little bit. So when you have little land to expand into, yeah, you're going, your campus is going to be right up against the rest of the city. In, in the office buildings with other businesses. Or that as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, um, I guess the other thing I sort of think of when we talk about the middle American university environment is, um, you know, we were, when we talk about the culture in the schools, we talk about how there's certain things at every campus, right? We talked about the Chipotle and the Qdoba, but uh, when I went to Lexington uh, to UK, obviously you talked about the row of bars across from campus. There's the same thing at Kentucky mm -hmm. and um, actually at Kentucky, what was, there was the, there was this little store that sold little odds. I don't know how to describe it other than like a locally owned business that would be like a, a Spencer's Gifts used to be in the mall, mm -hmm. you know, like a local knockoff of that. And I think every university has these sort of – it's so funny how you say, you know, you go to one, it's sometimes it feels like you've gone to a mall because they all have these like little um, weirdo kind of knickknack shops, right? Mm -hmm. and they the insanely artisan kind of restaurants or coffee shops. Mm -hmm. And is, so I guess I was going to sort of talk about different things you, you see at every university that you've been to. I don't know if I covered them all there, but <laughs> covered a big chunk of them, right? Um, yeah. You know, bars, cafes, um, little, I guess, souvenir shops, you might call them. Um, although they're more like, School spirit shops would perhaps be a better better phrase for it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, on campus, you always have, like you said, the various restaurants, Cadoba, Chipotle, Pizza Hut, um, things like that that show up. Um, I mean, those to me kind of seem the hallmarks that are common across universities I visited as opposed as in addition to you know all the academic buildings dorms stuff like that and I think the thing that uh, kind of uh, well I'll figure out how to phrase this phrase this I think in some ways it almost started feeling kind of oppressive for me that it was so similar you know all these places I don't know it's like here all these college towns have these same 
layouts, they're paint by numbers. Except they're not, but like it feels like they are because you see all the same stuff at the same corners. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think Harvard, Yale, and Berkeley are that way. Um, we have some know. of that, but the, I don't. I would, I would assume it's not quite like that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It might be. We might be surprised in that they are pretty much the same. <laughs> Okay, so um, let's see here. The other thing I want to talk about is sort of campus politics, although I'm not going to get too crazy here. Mm-hmm. So, but I want to say, first off, you know, I, uh, I'm aware of a lot of people assigning certain labels to universities and saying that this stuff happens to universities. But I would say at Middle American Universities, you're still not going to see the sort of kind of stuff we saw at Berkeley. There, there have there have been some some riots per se, and some there is some kind of stuff like that. But I don't know. It just seems to me that like at these these much older institutions, that there's uh, the more mainstay ones that there's just like I don't know how to describe it. Really, in, really intensely political people, kind of. Like, I would say the average student at Kentucky or Tennessee or IU is not political on the same level as people at Berkeley or Harvard or somewhere. Um, I don't know about that. I I'm, might disagree with that in the sense that, well, twofold, I suppose. Um, one is that, I think, as I said at the beginning, most campuses recruit heavily out of their own backyard. So a large portion of any student body is from the local area, which means that um, either political views or political activism is going to be kind of a product of the surrounding area. So if you're from a town that's known to be historically politically active or you know however you want to phrase it, you're probably going to find that on campus a bit more. Um, but the other way I would kind of disagree with that is that I think you see more out of it or more publicized out of it from these larger schools that have um, more history or more clout than you might see in these middle America schools, even though it's happening there. Um, Because I can remember several protests happening at both uh, my time during Tennessee and my time during um, in Bloomington. So um, I think it happens there. It's just maybe not as well publicized perhaps and perhaps that is right i mean i don't know i just like okay so i obviously know there's activists at iu and bloomington and right I'm sure there's activists in knoxville and there were activists when i were in lexington but you know when i talk to the average student i don't see the average student as an activist on that sure level. that's that's like the vast that's like a minority of the sure you know, student body and I guess to a degree, I w- it's probably true at somewhere like Berkeley or Cal, but man, it does seem like a lot of these sort of alternate newspapers and people on political punditry shows, a lot of them do come out of those universities. A disproportionate amount. Maybe, yeah. You know, I mean, it's getting different now. I would say it's starting to balance out a little more now, but I. I just, uh, you know, when I think about sort of, so you know those riots that happened at Berkeley because Ben Shapiro wanted to come talk there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and there were riots 
other places he tried to go too. It wasn't right. just there. But it just seemed like the certain level and the way the police interacted and the way the town was and the way the community was was just on a different level than perhaps we would have seen if he tried to go to Bloomington, per se. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. Who's to say? I mean, like I said, I think <laughs> yeah. a, lot of it, a lot of it has to do with um, the population there. The Like I said, the the how politically active or how um i guess politically emotional maybe that people <laughs> um really depends on the school or the location so and what topic it is i mean shoot right. there was a pretty big big riot in um, tennessee over various football incidents that <laughs> happened well, yes, yes. When you when Tennessee tried to hire that particular football coach, yes. well, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah. It, see, to me, that 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 shows the difference in cultures right there, though. So, like, at uh, Tennessee, perhaps they wouldn't riot if Ben Shapiro came, right? Or at least they wouldn't shut down campus like that. But they'll go out of control because of Greg Schiano, right? <laughs> That to me shows the difference in the culture to a degree. Um, sure. Yeah, I'm not saying it's always that way, and not, right. I'm saying far from it. But that that really that does epitomize it right there. Yeah, we don't like this head coach because uh, you know he there's rumors about the way he's behaved domestically, but you know at Berkeley they don't want somebody there because of his political views. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of shows to me where the values are of the different institutions and the people who attend them. Well, I think more of, yeah, it's stronger on the people who attend them maybe than the actual institution. That could be true. So now, now you've transitioned, though, from student to faculty, finally. Right. You've made the full transition. So uh, you teach at a community college, is that true? Or a, uh, or is no. It, I it's teach a school. In- it's a, it's a university. Uh, it's a small um, private uh, liberal arts school called okay. Cumberland University. Now, was was that transition hard for you? Because you went from two state large state schools. Mm-hmm. Was it was that hard for you going going down in size and stature, perhaps to a degree? Uh, yes and no. Um, so I guess kind of going back to my my earlier answer. I, on the one hand, there was a lot of things that were similar. Um, teaching classes. Um, I'm Is there a kid in the Chipotle? Uh, there's neither one of those on campus. Um, that would be one of the big differences, is that it is a smaller school. Um, it's in a smaller city, and there's not as many, um, I guess, academic availability choices there. There's not as many. Um, there's not much financial as much financial capabilities for the school, but yeah, that that part was a big change. Um, trying to readapt to what's it like dealing in a smaller school um, with a different student body population than I was used to at larger state schools, and trying to figure out how that works out. Um, but like I said, it is still. A university. The you know the main objective of the school is to educate people. The diplomas are still real. They're still signed and printed. That is right. 
Uh, so do you do you find yourself missing? Like, would you have preferred to have been a professor at IU or Tennessee or, you know, Vanderbilt or somewhere? Um, I don't know that I would use the word prefer. There, there are differences between those. Um, you know, the the academic role I play at the school, Cumberland University now, is heavily focused on teaching. Uh, if I worked at a larger state school, my focus would be far more on research and publication than on teaching, although that would still be a large component. So, like I said, there's there's kind of hit and miss between what I want and what I sought um, out of a job. Would I like to, you know, work at a school that, you know, had more money floating around for research or for student activities or things? Sure, but at the same time, there's a lot of appeal at the school that I'm working at um, that I have a lot more personal interaction with the students than I would get out of a larger university um, or that I have much more of an impact in the faculty or on the school itself. So like I said, I don't know that I would say prefer, but there's definitely pluses and minuses to, or pros and cons to working where I am versus working at a larger school. Now, uh, when we talk about, uh, what was I going to say here? Don't get my train of thought going. No. So now the other advantage of your school situation is I'm assuming your school doesn't end up in the headlines all the time. Um, well, the local newspaper for that town, but no, uh, outside of that, not a whole lot. Now, because that was the thing that um, sort of at UK was sometimes, you know, annoying out of in some aspects was that, uh, you know, we were in the papers all the time, you know. <laughs> we We got good coverage, too, but there was a lot of negative, too, you know, and. Not that I really care, because most of it didn't actually trash the school, per se. But, you know, it's like, uh, I remember one time it made national news when uh, we had some guy come into the library and stab someone's foot under the table. <laughs> and so one other, of course, that time everybody rioted after we won the national championship in basketball that made the national news. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's just... Uh, I see, as we're talking about from a professor's point of view, I don't know if I'd like to be somewhere where I'm a, where it's possible I'm in the headlines so often, you know? I mean, I th like you said, there's good and bad things to that, though. Um, there's a lot of good headlines that come out of larger schools, which also tends to attract money to those schools, um, which helps grow the school and helps pay for faculty as well as pay for programs that the faculty are interested in. Um, going to a smaller school, sure, you don't necessarily have all that negative press, but you also don't necessarily get all that positive press either. And it becomes harder to attract in extra sources of funding or um, better talent, if you will, for the faculty, things like that, or students. Well, I suppose, yeah, I suppose there are pluses and minuses. It's just kind of, you know, I I I'm glad I'm not in at somewhere that will be in the headlines. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, 
what else was going to say here? So I guess uh, I guess we've covered most things I would say about culture and academics. Is there is there sort of anything else you think needs to be talked about when we're talking about these things? How much experience do you have with uh, sort of larger schools? Uh, when I was in North Carolina, I did live near Duke. I don't know how close Duke counts to what I'm talking about. But, uh, you know, I do think there is a bit of a – just a tiny bit of pretension there with some of those schools. And, you know, I've read some articles recently in some reports that say, you know, the gap is really closing so much that it doesn't matter as much anymore. Yeah, and I mean, I think that goes back to what we said earlier that with a lot of these smaller mid-American state schools, well, although IU and UT aren't necessarily small, um, yeah. that, yeah, the gap between what we might have traditionally considered academic abilities has shrunk um, between those and the more prestigious coastal schools or whatever schools you want to talk about. Um, and that they're becoming this idea of affordable mid-American schools, or maybe not affordable, but um, more bang for your buck, I guess. And well, the every man, the average Joe school, right, you know, right. The, this is the school of Indiana. This is the school of Tennessee. This is the school of Kentucky. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think we are definitely seeing, um, I guess, a moderate modernization or moderation of um, the schools that they're all starting to kind of be on the same level more or less and that it's becoming more of an idea of you know which school better fits you than oh i need to go to this school because they have the best program um, or they well, have and i even noticed that uh, i was at the kentucky mapping professionals conference last year in October, and you know there were people there from uh, Western Kentucky University and Eastern Kentucky University a lot more than I expected, you mm -hmm. know. And they they brought to the table, you know, sort of the same level of credentials as I had, mm -hmm. you know. And that really kind of shocked me. Not to say that I think those institutions are bad institutions in any way, but you know. There, I did. It's I did kind of think that you know, there was a little, you know, mine was more prestigious in a slight bit, you know, not a huge amount, but a slight bit. So it was really interesting to see all these people with other credentials, you know. Mm -hmm. It really, to me, sort of highlighted what, I, what we're talking about here with like the playing field feels so so level, right. Know? And I don't think uh, – the reason why I really bring it up and made it the point of talking about for this podcast is I don't think international people understand this as much, how level the playing field has become. Right. Um, and, yeah, if you only hear about a couple of schools from America, then you're not going to understand or realize that, um, that the – number of schools in America, first off, is ridiculous that there's... Was well, it like a thousand or something? I, I don't even know. It's more yeah, that problem. I don't know. There's, but there's a ton. Um, and all these different schools, yes, there's there are differences between the lowest schools and the best-ranked schools, but far by far and large, most of the schools are, you know, competitive with each other in terms of either academics 
or um, athletics or any other kind of measure you want to do that there's any school you pick, there's going to be a number of schools that are on the same level as that school. It's kind of like you and I both said at the beginning, we both applied to three or four, got accepted to three or four schools and just chose what we felt was the best personal experience for us. And I don't know anywhere in the world that it's quite that level of playing field. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it is in England. I don't know, but it does seem to me when I, and maybe that's my outsider bias. You know? uh, yeah. We're, we're Americans looking outside on the world that we probably have the same of you as any international people would looking into American schools have. So for all we know, there you know maybe Middle England schools that are just as good as um, Oxford. Yeah, but yeah, so that's what I noticed, and it's just kind of crazy to sort of take a step back and think about for a minute. You know, just how you know Middle American schools—it's it's all a university, man. You know, sure. you make it through the grind. Well, you know what my grandfather and my dad always say to me—they can never take the diploma away from you. That's right. That's yours. Unless it's an honorary degree and it's given to uh, Mugabe. Then they can <laughs> take that away, and they did. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you heard that. Will uh, Oxford revoked their honorary degree they gave to Mugabe? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it's like one of the few times an honorary degree has ever been revoked, and he had seventeen of them revoked. Well. <laughs> <laughs> There's some that didn't get around to it, though. It's kind of funny. You know, it's just like when you look at the list, there's just some that just didn't get around to it. Yeah. So it's still out there, but like, you know, they probably don't agree with what happened. But oh, like, yeah. It's still out there. <laughs> anyway, uh, we didn't get anything in the chat. I'm kind of disappointed on my, uh, my chat viewership here. We'll probably have some questions afterward. Somebody did uh, mention before we started, I'm going to bring up see if I can bring up this question. It came out before we even did the podcast. I got a question pre-podcast. That uh, I've never had that happen before, believe it or not. <laughs> never, never mentioned that. So I'm going to roll around to it, Will. Is there anything you want to sell about your university now that you have uh, you know, my some odd hundred <laughs> listeners over time? Or you know, is there anything you want to sell about Cum Cumberland University? I mean, yeah, sure. It's Cumberland's, like I said, it's it's a different experience than a large school. Um, it's a pretty small school. We have about 2,300 students. Um, and it's a different school. It's located just outside of Nashville, so you can get that Nashville experience if you want it. Um, and at the same time, we do have actually a pretty decent-sized international student body on campus. Um, a lot of it's because of athletics that Cumberland has a wide variety of athletic sports teams on on campus um, that compete with various other kind of similar ranked schools. So, you know, it's it's a different experience. And I would definitely encourage um, if people are looking at schools in America to go to um, consider it just because it's one of those kind of hidden hidden gem schools, I'd say. A hidden gem. You heard it right here. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the question, actually, I think we did somewhat address. Uh, when I talked about some of the schools I was going to talk about, 
I ended up not even talking about Northwestern in Evanston, Illinois, but mm-hmm. somebody put one of these things is not like the other. Going to recommend including a public Illinois university instead of a private one, maybe like the University of Illinois at Champaign. Mm-hmm. And we kind of brought this up, didn't we? Right? We were talking mostly about state schools, yeah, and their experience. And you are at a private one, but it's certainly not one that's known like Northwestern is. No, um, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, there is a difference. I will say though. Northwestern is a unique school in the aspect that it is a private school and it does have some of the private school whatever, but it's part of the Big Ten Conference. So it does have some of that public feel. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe you could talk about this even more, being that you lived close to Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt's a similar situation, is it not? Or is it public? No, it is a private school. Um, it's a large private school, but... Yeah, to some extent, it almost feels like a a public state school, um, just in the way that it interacts with Nashville and the surrounding area. Um, but at the same time, it's it's definitely a different experience than, or I would imagine, I, I've never attended there. Um, but I feel like you would have a different experience there than at a state school, um, more so from the cultural aspects of going to a kind of historical um, prestigious name school like that as well, they call themselves the southern ivy don't they right right <laughs> which i think duke would take some exception to that <laughs> uh no i uh, i bring this up because okay when i was at northwestern when i was i stayed at evanston and rode the train to chicago when i stayed there um I didn't feel like it was somehow different than uh, than Lexington or Bloomington or something. Mm-hmm. You know, the campus around it. It didn't. There wasn't like um, like when I, I have you seen the movie Twenty One? Uh, no. About the blackjack team in MIT. Uh, and I've, it, yeah. And I've seen the movie Goodwill Hunting. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. Well, those are both set around the campus of MIT, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you look at it, it looks like what you would expect MIT to look like. I'll put it that way. You know, very old school looking kind of stuff, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, very, um, I don't know, very old school, separate, very almost kind of snooty environment, you know? And... uh when I was at Northwestern, it just seemed like another another college in the Midwest. It really <laughs> did. Other than the fact, you know, the name Northwestern. But <laughs> I mean, seriously, there wasn't, there was not a lot of pretension there about it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe I just feel this way. I wouldn't feel that way so much if I walked through MIT. But it does seem a bit different. Let's be honest. MIT or NYU. Like I got recruited by NYU. Mm-hmm. And I. Part of the reason I didn't even want to go there was just because of the pretension of it. Like, yeah, not to mention the fact I didn't want to spend the money, but like, just the pretension of it, you know, like, oh, and, you know, here's the Broadway show we go to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, how is that going to help make my degree worth anything more? In what I wanted to go in at the time was engineering, but in geography, still, it wouldn't have made any difference, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I think a lot of people are coming to realize that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely think there's a lot to be said about um, historical, cultural kind of views of schools that, uh, especially in America, we, we have this view that certain school names, that if you, if you attended to those schools, that makes you kind of better or more um, knowledgeable or something. Whereas it's really no, that may have been the case, you know, 100, 150 years ago. Uh, it's not really the case anymore that you can get as good, if not a better education um, at a different school. You know, one of our schools that we went to or one of these other mid-American kind of public or private schools. Well, cool. I think this is really an interesting talk, and uh, I'll let you know if we get any other comments from the viewers afterward. And uh, I'd like to thank everyone that listens. Of course, I will drop this on SoundCloud later. So, uh, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on the live stream. Well, anything else you want to say to the fans before you go? Um, thanks for putting up with me, and thanks for inviting me back. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, let, let us know in the comments what your favorite episode was of the 50 I've done now. So talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.